Some people have certain animals for life. Generally, everyone has at least one animal for life. But then there'll be specific animals that will come and assist you and will be more prominent in your life and around you for a very specific purpose or a very specific chapter or phase in your life. And when that lesson or whatever that has been fulfilled, it will recede. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hi, guys. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Almost 30 Podcast. So glad you're here. Who needs a deep breath? That's all. (laughs) I haven't had a deep breath today. (sighs) In my car, it's like a rage room. Oh my God. I like am yelling in my car. I'm like, you know, people can hear you. I know. I think about that a lot. I'm like, well, whatever. Fuck them. Wait, last night. I'm actually, I'll be like, like, I moan and yell in the car. Yeah. It's a great thing. It's so good. Yeah. Find a place where you can do that. Mobile rage room. Actually. (laughs) White girl in a Volkswagen Jetta. Okay. I was in my, in bed last night and I heard it, it was very close. Like, and then I was like, okay, that the sounded like a lungs. that sounded like a bird or it sounded like a baby or it sounded like a crazy animal, cat, or a person. I didn't know. And then it was happening like in a kind oh, of a cadence. Wow. And I was think just thinking, I'm like, do I have a responsibility right now? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Did you? No. Mm. And it just got farther and farther away. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like what how can you explain that? I know. Literally, sorry. No. Call the cops. But what if I woke up this morning and like front page news? I know. You know. I don't know. Gotta call the cops. I guess. I appreciate people that call the cops now. That's another sign of me getting older. I love when people call the cops. For sure. Oh my gosh. So much is happening where I'm freaked out at what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't think you should be freaked out by that. Oh, because you used to be like, fuck the police. Yes. <laughs> I really appreciate when people call the cops. I, I know. I'm, I've am i got to respect someone that has the cops <laughs> on lock and they just can support. I guess I just used to be, I mean, I was a rebel. Yeah. Graduate from Rebel University. Me. I was not, so I'll probably be a criminal in a few years. There you go. Your time. <laughs> you still got time, baby. You still got time to criminalize your life. Still got time. I was thinking the other day when I was in a store, I was like, oh, I could steal this right now. Mm. Like I didn't want to, but I was like, oh, I could. Yes. I have so much anxiety around that. And I'm like, do it. such a good girl in that way. And it's annoying. <laughs> you don't need to tell me. But I know, <laughs> literally. But I'm like, oh, I could. I know. And do people do this often? I got caught shoplifting <laughs> in high school. Yeah. I worked at Outback Steakhouse. It was so sexy. I was, I 
was a host. <laughs> and there was a really amazing woman that was pregnant and her name was Rhonda. And I wanted to get her baby clothes for her shower that I was invited to. <laughs> but I didn't want to pay for the baby clothes. Yeah. So went into Dillard's, put some baby clothes in my purse, tried to walk out, got my ass handed to me. Damn. I was literally almost outside the door, almost outside the gates. And I was with my friend, Tom. And this guy comes up and he grabs my arm and goes, you're coming with me. Oh and I go to God. Tom. I'm like, I'll see you later, man. Tom <laughs> left, went to, who knows where Tom went. And then I got handcuffed. Tom went to Auntie Anne's. A hundred. You got handcuffed and brought in? I got handcuffed to a table. Cool. And then they called my fam. It was really cool. Wow. And then, so they're freaking out, first of all, that I'm shoplifting. Since in, everyone in Cincinnati shoplifted, I was like, whatever. But they were freaking out. And then they're like, is this bitch pregnant? <laughs> yeah, I was Honestly, say. they're like, yo, say. she's young and she's, she's 16 and pregnant shoplifting. What is life? What is life? <laughs> what is this girl? <laughs> and my sister had to come get me and had to get me out of my cuffs. It was low and I had to do community service. Were you grounded? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I got my ass handed to me. I don't remember what the grounding was, probably months. I'm yeah. not sure what my groundings entailed. I think it was just do nothing. Cell phones like weren't really a thing at mm -hmm. that point. I'm not sure. So it wasn't like I got my cell phone taken away. I was grounded all the time anyways. And I had to do community service and I would be on the side of the road picking up trash with like delinquents. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Yo, I remember I was I was on the side of the road with this one little delinquent and he was like 10. It was delinquents. It was all delinquents. I was like, I'm a delinquent. I'm here in Ohio picking up trash on the side of the road with delinquents. This is me. This is my identity, delinquent. And he had killed all the koi fish in his neighbor's pond. Oh my God. I, I literally, <laughs> he said that to me and I go, my thought process was, this isn't for me. I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to take this as a learning. I don't, think trash picking up with this little demon child is for me. Dude. And I turned over a new leaf at that point. It's interesting when they like to make kids pick up trash on the side of the road. Yeah, I, I guess it sucks, but like I feel like they could do something that sucks more Yeah, to make them really, really never do it again. It's real bad though. On oh, the okay. side of the road in, Cincinnati, in Ohio, oh, you're okay. like, are people going to see me? Oh, Embarrassing. And it just is the most boring thing. I, I definitely think there could be worse things. Did you like go incognito, like wear a hat and no, shit? No, I remember the outfit I was wearing. I was wearing these like Adidas. Oh, you didn't have to wear an orange jumpsuit? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe. I was wearing these Adidas green snap pants and this like hoodie. And I was like, I'll never forget it. When yeah. I rolled up in my Honda Civic to fucking pick up trash. Yeah. But that was a lesson. I mean, that was a good one. That was a real good punishment. Yeah. In addition to my grounding, that was a great punishment. I would was like, oh, this is not a life for me. Yeah. And from then on. And then on. You started to sew baby clothes. I knew, literally. <laughs> and that's what made me get into the baby clothes business. <laughs> I knew I had a passion that I had. To, that Launching our new age. product. I know, honestly. <laughs> Almost 30 nation baby clothes. <laughs> there will be a day, I'm sure. <laughs> Dude, I remember, I just, it's so funny how your memories are so clear when they're, around situations like that. I would have never remembered that day if I wouldn't have been caught. But the fact that I was caught, I knew what I was wearing. I knew who I was with. I, I knew what my purse looked like. Damn. Damn. What a joke.
my dad, I'll never forget. My dad was like, my dad has never said anything mean to me. And he was like, you're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, damn. That hurts. It hurt. He was like, you're in a nice house with a great family and we have great jobs and you had more money than the baby clothes in your purse. You're an idiot. I had like enough cash to pay for the baby right. clothes. You know, that's not the point. It's like, you're an idiot. That is kind of the point. I know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, but, but yeah. But I was just like, oh. Ooh. Anyway, so that's a little bit about The me. less they say, the harder it is to take. Oh, I mean, the looks that my 100%. dad used to give me, I'd be like, I of just course. shit my pants dead. So I'm going to leave now. Top dollar T is like looking for boarding schools. Ooh. My dad's just like, you know, she's flying off the handle for sure, which is legit. And my dad's just like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, Oh, wow. I wonder what life would have been like if you went to a boarding school. It would have gotten crazier. Crazier. No freedom is no life for me. (laughs) I don't My friends who went to boarding school, I mean, holy mackerel. Holy mackerel. I was so jealous, obviously. (laughs) You know? Because I'm just like, I want to do whatever the fuck I want. I want to go get pizza after class and walk and and have boys. I mean... No, but like they, there's just so I think much. That's an East Coast thing too. What the boarding, boarding school? Yeah, yeah. In Ohio, sure. it's like you're in jail. It's boarding schools. Oh, yeah, oh, like there's oh. no boarding schools in Ohio. Oh, boarding schools East Coast is like yes. rich as hell. Lots of drugs, drinking, sex, just being wild what gooses. Is the, what's that? Why? I guess what's the benefit of it? I guess the education of boarding school from a social perspective. It's an interesting thing. I guess that you get it out of the house early. I think there's like a lot of independence there. Yeah. So, I mean, I know amazing people who went to boarding school. It's just yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, As creepy, a parent, creepy. you kind of have to like create these expectations in a way that doesn't make them rebel. Yeah. I was actually listening to, um, I'm starting to kind of listen to podcasts again. I was listening to Gary Vee and Aubrey Marcus mm-hmm. and Gary Vee was talking about, he's like, why do parents want their kids to have it figured out when they're 19 years old and they still don't have it figured out right now. Yep. He's like, I think that there's such a shift that needs to happen with parents wanting their kids to know what they're going to do, who they're going to be with having all the answers and, but they don't know what yeah. they're doing. He says something like, wouldn't, wouldn't you rather, or he's like, I would rather you be at odds with your parents for a couple years in your early twenties for like a lifetime of like, Good. Yes. You know, like yes. instead of just doing what they expect of you or, you know, doing what you think you should be doing, fucking go balls to the wall and do what really lights you up. Yep. And like if they judge you, okay, they judge you. See you know? More fam. Yeah, I think about that so much. And like someone like, I mean, Gary V, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be at the forefront of like colleges being no more. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I I don't know how I feel feel about it. Cause I do think there is value there, but I just think there's so much pressure. Like I, for me, I'm so grateful. I went to school, but I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. sure I learned, I learned so much, but like, I don't know. I know. It just kind of fucked me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Fucked my creativity up. Just kind of actually defocused me. Mm. You know? Yeah, I completely know. What was the one? And then I was, but I was listening to something else with someone, Eric Weinstein, I believe, and he's a 
really smart researcher and finance person. And he was talking about how so much, so often organizations now, and there's like a wave of people that are getting people from college and internships outside to work for free. And it's almost like there's a focus now for the millennial generation on like having a free labor for labor workforce mm. because there is, you know, less of available of certain types of jobs and to like be mindful of that, of falling yeah. into that trap of, you know, potentially doing work at these organizations or companies, you know, for free, which yeah. is interesting. So interesting. Yeah. And that same breath, he would say like, those young people in their young 20s kind of expect the thing to happen so yeah. quickly. He's like, yo, this is the time to like sleep on a couch, like live in a shit apartment with eight other dudes, girls, whatever. And just like, like, you know, rough it a bit so that like you can build whatever you want to build. Yes. doesn't need to be entrepreneurship necessarily, but he mainly speaks to that. But you know, cause we, we see these people who have it all, like all shiny and we're like, how do we get there as quick as possible? And it's like, oh, they also had like fucking 15 years of just like, yes, you know, I think nose to the quite stone with our journey, you know, totally. how young in our journey we are and totally really thinking more about the long game with it because you don't want to burn out. You don't want to last for a certain amount of time. If this is the rest of your life, you have to play like more, you have to play more of a long game. Yeah. What was that? What was that young Pueblo quote? It made me think about like my relationship with, and it's not about parents, but it kind of made me think about that. Mm. So this is a quote that I found on Instagram on, or on Twitter uh, we have a Twitter Almost 30 podcast and Young Pueblo was actually on our podcast about mm -hmm. a year ago. Yep. So you can search for Y-U-N-G-P-U-E-B-L-O, our episode with him. It was awesome. And his Twitter is one of my favorites. There's just knowledge dropped every single time. And there was one that I thought was really interesting and Lindsay and I have been talking about it. Huh. Make sure the boundaries you create don't become walls that stop you from cultivating good conflict resolution and problem solving skills. Make sure the boundaries you create don't become walls that stop you from cultivating good conflict resolution and problem solving skills. Cash money records. Cash I mean, people, money. that's because boundaries is such a huge topic and it's really important and it's, um, you know, a dance that we all do, but there is something to that. There is something to, uh, someone setting a boundary and it being a shortcut for an actual conversation that needs to be had. You know, we've, I've known someone within my life. We've known someone within our mm -hmm. live, lives who um, was a quote unquote boundary setter, but it was in an instance where there was some examining of the self that needed to be done and some examining of the situation that needed to be done and a conversation that needed to be had. So a boundary was created in response to things that were not being said, feelings that were not being felt. So it really wasn't a boundary, but it was a wall. And totally. there's such a difference between that. And it's so important that when we do think about quote unquote boundaries, you know, that being an energetic boundary or relationship boundary, whatever it is, that oftentimes we could be just shortcutting what needs to be a little bit longer of a path and a conversation. Yeah, and I think a boundary... Uh, is put up after kind of that 
happens. So the conversation kind of like being in the arena where it's like, okay, so I'm feeling all the things and this is, we've had this conversation. I know their truth, my truth, whatever the situation is. And then you're like, okay, so now I see everything for what it is. And I'm going to create a boundary here so that next time, you know, I don't freak out or I don't take it too personally or whatever, but you kind of have to you have to have full participation in it and invite the other, whoever that is, many people, whatever, into it so that it can be a full expression of a boundary. It can't just be like this thing you put up because that is, yeah. I mean, I can think of so many people that have done that. I've done that. I feel like my dad used to do that. And like, it would just be a protection mechanism too. Like, not because it hurt too much to talk about things, a certain things, right? Um, and same with my mom. Like, you know, I, I'm sure everyone out there, you're, you can think about your parents and I'm sure they put up walls or boundaries and you're just, my immediate thought is like, but I want to talk about that, you know? Yes. So it's, uh, I think assuming that the other is feeling a certain way too and like they want to be invited into maybe a conversation or resolution, uh, something, but they don't know how. Yeah. So be that person. Yeah. yeah. And it, to me, it's, you know, every relationship in your life, even the person at the grocery store is an opportunity for growth. So if there is something that's presented to you that becomes challenging, wherein you feel like you need to put up a boundary, that's more so you denying yourself an opportunity for growth in a mm. conversation in communication with that person about whatever it is that you're feeling. What mirror are they putting up for you that's causing you to feel like you need to put a boundary up? You know, and this is outside of a, a situation or circumstance where I'm talking about someone that is emotionally abusive, physically abusive, um, where, you know, this is a track record of someone that is emotionally, physically, mentally harming you. That's not what I'm talking about because those are boundaries that need to be set and that are the correct thing to do. I'm talking about situations with people in your life where things get hard and things get challenging. And in response, a boundary is put up rather than doing the work of having the conversation. So yeah, fucking love that. I've definitely had that in my life, you know, for sure. And um, I didn't know that it was that until now. You know, I didn't, I don't understand that until now. And I also, last point is like, I think it's kind of trendy to say like, I'm creating a boundary. Honestly. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I've said it. Do you know of what course, I mean? Like, of course. Like, so, but I want to catch myself when I'm saying these things or doing these things that I just like have heard or like have been recommended to do and- yeah. Instead, really think about, okay, so what does that mean for me? Yes. Because if it's just like creating a boundary, I actually don't know what that means in most cases. I'm just like, it has to be specific for every single situation, yeah. you know? I think people talk about it a lot of times with social media, creating mm-hmm. a boundary, not letting social media bleed into your life, control your life, own your life, run your life. So... That almost makes, that almost for me makes it feel more so, you know what I mean? Where it's always going to be there. So it's standing there. So I've, I've deemed it something that needs to be controlled and needs to be like, it is, it is, it can get too much for me. So, and same with like dating apps. So I'm like trying to view all of that a little bit differently where I'm just like, this is fun. You know what I mean? Like if I'm on it, I'm just like, oh, this is, 
this is cool. This is fun. Instead of being like depressed or just like, oh God, like this is what's out there. It's like, no, like. It's funny how like Shan, it's like that permission that she gives, you know, yeah. it's that reminder. You're like, oh, this could be in- enjoyable. Totally. That's so fascinating. Yeah, Shan Booty talked about dating apps in our and that's episode so with beautiful. her. And so, I was just like, oh, I needed that like permission. Because yes. granted, it hasn't really changed what I'm seeing, but I'm just like, one, if say I meet someone off an app, which I have before and they've been incredible, they're on an app too. Oh, Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Justin I forget would say that. that when he was single, like when we would talk early about dating when he was single, he would say, it would always blow my mind at a bar if I would go up to a girl, you know, who knows how many times that happened, but it would, they'd be like, oh, you know, or I'd see friends or whatever happened. And the girl's like, oh, and he's like, you're at the bar too. Yeah. We're both at the bar. Both there. Both there. What's the deal? Mm-hmm. Why the madness? Totally. But you know why? For me, I'm judging myself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Dude. That's where it starts, everybody. Dude. <laughs> so if you're judging people, totally. are you judging yourself? I know. What is that? It's always weird though. If a guy walks up to you at the bar, what do you, it's just stressful. It depends. You know, I know it's, it, I've seen my, all my friends do it magically with beauty and grace. And I don't know why I'm stressed. For me, if I'm like feeling, like the funny thing is if I'm like attracted to them personality wise and looks wise, I'm like, oh, that was dope. Mm. But if I'm not, I'm like, get away from oh, me. Yeah, honey. <laughs> like, I'm calling the police, <laughs> sir. But I, yeah, I, I respect in the last few years when that's happened, like I really, I don't yeah. ever want to make anyone, anyone feel less than in that situation. Of course. You know, because I, I have, I have them. before. Yeah, I, want to I encourage totally them. have before. So, of course, I encur- yeah, of course, you know, same. Oh. Ew, that's how I, <laughs> I, mean, I used to be that coming from someone who hasn't been hit on in a uh, hundred <laughs> years. <laughs> you have, but you just haven't noticed. Yeah, so true. It's so fucking true. It is. I, they've been hitting on me, and I've just been kept walking. <laughs> Kristen and I take a walk on Venice Boardwalk every once in a while just to get hit on. I know. I just need a little bit of encouragement. (laughs) Oh, Lord have mercy. Um, That was a good one. uh, That's making me think. Yeah. I thought to ponder. I love that one. Um, Okay. Today on the podcast, we have Mimi Young. Oh, this one's going to get super spiritual, deep and beautiful. So uh, Mimi goes on shamanic journeys for her clients, for the people that she works with. And she went on a shamanic journey for both Lindsay and I. So you will get to know Lindsay and I a little bit better, a little bit deeper on a spiritual level during this conversation. And um, there are aspects and and parts of our journey and our story where we will hope that you can relate. And um, yeah, it's just really juicy and, and intimate. So we're so thankful that we could bring you along with this really personal journey. Yeah, this was um, one where I hadn't really met my animal spirit guides yet. And so that was a really cool part of the reading. So power animals and other animal totems, plant spirit allies, mineral and other earth allies, goddesses, gods. It kind of depends on your specific uh, reading. And then she also reads the soul development and life purpose, past life healing, soul retrievals, healing the ancestral line, and it was just 
beautiful. I honestly didn't know what to expect. Yeah. You know? Same. So I, this was just a really unique um, healing modality. It was, it felt like magic. And I don't mean that in a uh, cheesy way. I was just like, wow, this is like, I love seeing magic on earth. (laughs) You know, you can visit her website, shop ceremony, shop C-E-R-O-M-O-N-I-E.com for all of her services and to learn more about Mimi. Yeah. I loved the parts about um, the thunder and the water as it relates to my personality and my soul. And um, some of the imagery that she used is, is now my imagery that I use if I wake up in the middle of the night and need to think of something pleasant to bring my subconscious back into a positive state because often I'm having nightmares. So I've never had a vision of something really beautiful, of a beautiful space that felt like someplace that my soul could live. So I often will bring back her imagery in my life. Yeah. I was a hummingbird and a monkey. Mm. Fact. I was you were a snow leopard. snow leopard and a... I get confused between what my spirit animal is uh. with my therapist and my... I'm like, I'm a giant wolf. <laughs> uh, but with, in my reading, she talked a lot about or I found myself in, or she found herself in like this emerald green forest. Yeah. And I just have so much green around me, like just in terms of plants and how important that is for me and my uh, spirit, Yeah, if you will. It's beautiful to let the imagination run wild mm. and to um, delve into these realms. You know, it, it provided me value with how I see my soul and um, the beauty of the spiritual realm. So that's what I really enjoyed about the conversation. Yeah. So we think you're going to love this. Let us know. Join the secret Facebook group. We have over 12,000 women in there talking every day, supporting one another, laughing, sharing. It's actually the best. Mm-hmm. So join if you're Nicest not in place on the internet. that group. Kindest yeah. place on the internet. And we're on tour as always. So we're going to tell you this until we're not on tour. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> Almost30podcast.com slash tour. Um, we are ramping back up in September. We will be in Chicago, Columbus, Nashville, October will be in New York, Philly, DC. November will be in Sydney and Melbourne. And then in December, we'll be in Miami and LA. We're so excited to meet you. And if you're not close to those cities, you probably have an ambassador from our ambassador program nearby who are hosting events where they are and just creating community where they are. So please check out the subgroups on Facebook and join a group near you. If you'd like to start a subgroup because there's not one near you, just email community at almost30podcast.com and we'll get it going. Yeah, we're so excited. And on tour, we're bringing Milana Snow to Chicago, Rosie Acosta in Melbourne. We have Aaron Claire doing human design in New York, Stuart Pierce, the angel voice coach. We have in Ohio is a solo... Washington, D.C. is Heidi Stevens and Nashville's Dr. Axe. So we've got a range of amazing guests that we bring to our event. So we'd love to see you there. We'd love it. All right. Enjoy this episode and we'll see you later. Welcome to this whole world of spirits and allies. It's, it's yeah, incredible. How did you get into it? Like what was your, what was your journey to, to this space? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if I were to go back to the very beginning, my imaginary friends as a child uh, were were plants. Like, I didn't have a imaginary human friend um, or even an animal friend. They were trees and 
fruits and vegetables. And I wound up actually naming my doll, which like later on, I lost that doll and, and I found a new doll and I renamed her the same name, but I named her Celery. Oh my God. I can't so wait sorry. to have kids and just be like, what is yeah, your amazing. doll's name? <laughs> celery. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's juiced her. Um, yeah. So I've always felt connected to plants, but you know, I grew up in and, you know, the, the mainstream world is those things are not real. You must, uh, you must be losing your mind if you uh, believe in that. And so for someone who, I mean, I grew up in greater Vancouver in the eighties. So as a, like a, a woman of color, I, I already had, um, biases. And so I did everything I could to make sure that I could maintain credibility, which meant certain aspects of myself had to go into hiding. And it didn't actually surface again until I was 19 when I started smelling things. So there are some people who perhaps can see you know, visions or sense things or hear things. I, I would say that my, uh, and, and I do believe everyone does have one form or multiple sets of these giftings, but mine is through scent. So I would smell things that would remind me of people. And it would prompt me to call them and be like, hey, like, you know, I thought about you today. And I didn't necessarily say I smelled <laughs> you today because sometimes that may come across as creepy. <laughs> at least then, at least in, in my mind. And they would say, yeah, like, you know, I lost my job or wow, like, you know, my grandmother passed away and or I've had a splitting headache. And so I just pick up sense. And then eventually sense also meant other things like this person is trustworthy or this person is greedy. So be careful. And yeah. And then it wasn't until in terms of like a formal, more shamanic experience was when I was pregnant with my second child. So there was a, a seven year gap between my first and second, and we had a few miscarriages in between. And so when I finally did get pregnant again um, with my second and I started hemorrhaging at about week 14, so this is after the first trimester, I was just crestfallen because that's how the other miscarriages started um, through bleeding. And I just thought, oh my gosh, is this, you know, am I really going to have to go down that path again? Um, and uh, it was in the morning, I was getting breakfast and, you know, lunch made for my son for school. And the doorbell rang, it was quite early. It was probably only about 7.30 a.m. And I thought, oh, okay, no one usually shows up that the house at this time and so I go down open the door and there's no no one's at, at the door yet a heron a great blue heron had landed on my neighbor's lawn across the street looked straight at me and then flew away and that was that and and my older son like he came down and he sort of glimpsed just that tail end and he's like wow it was a big bird and and I knew from that very moment that my second child would live. But nonetheless, I had to go through the protocols of going for tests. You know, my midwife made sure that uh, that we did everything we could within you know, the Western medical system to to make sure that whatever we humanly could do, that we could. And the conclusion was that I had to be on bed rest for uh, for the remainder of the pregnancy, all the way until week thirty seven. So I wound up being on bed rest 24 seven with the exception of, you know, washroom breaks. Um, I even, you know, had my meals in my bed. So that was about five and a half months of bed resting. It was 
probably the hardest thing I've ever gone through because it's, I mean, we're talking, when we were talking through email, um, Krista, you had mentioned uh, your astrological sign. So my rising is in Aries. Like it's very, very difficult to tell anyone (laughs) with Aries in their charts to sit for five minutes, let alone be on bed rest for five and a half months. But I was just so ecstatic that I wouldn't lose my baby that I was like, no, this is going to be, this is, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make it productive. I'm going to make it meaningful. And so I committed to meditate and meditating for me before was like the two minutes of Shavasana at the end, which I usually would just pass out. And I discovered even sitting or lying in bed, for three minutes in total stillness was next to impossible for me. And I thought, well, I can, I can use this time to at least create that space and to cultivate it. And five minutes turned to 10 and turned to 30 minutes and turned to an hour over a course of, you know, a few months. And by about the fourth month, I was meditating about five hours a day. Wow. It was amazing. And I mean, my perspective changed on so many things. My demeanor had changed. And yeah, like I, I wrestled a lot of, I would say, inner demons in, in during that process. And then one day I accidentally journeyed to the lower world. I didn't even know it was called the lower world at that time, but I met my spirits and they said some things and they said some things about people close to me as just, um, you know, loving cautionary messages and I came back and I was like, whoa, this, this shit's real. Like I, I, you know, and, and I say this because my father is an, like an atheist and he's staunchly rooted in science. And my mother, she's a born again Christian, but I had left church by, you know, like long before me, me having that shamanic experience um, in the lower world. And I was just like, how can this be real? But I knew it was real. And after my second was born, I was mentioning to a girlfriend, I said, I, I, I need to meet a shaman. And I, at this point in time in my life, I'm not prepared to go to, let's say, you know, like a really classical place would be a place like Peru um, because I you know, have two young kids. I've, you know, I've got a bit of a hustle going. And, um, and she said, no problem. I know of a second generation female shamanic practitioner who will visit your house. And, and teach you. And I was like, wow, like, sign me up. So before long, she came and she gave me the language and the more formal tools to navigate it. She practices core shamanism, which is also what I practice. And over the course of time, I've integrated many different components. Um, some of it's from my own uh, heritage and just my work with botanicals and um, my ability to smell things and, and so forth. Um, but it's been totally wild. And I'm sure like, when you had read your journeys that like what the spirits bring, it's always so timely. It's always, it just hits that, that inner cord. And like, there's never been a journey where I didn't feel that something healing or something nourishing was provided through the spirits. I just want to go back to that time where you were meditating for five hours a day and during that five months of bed rest. And I'm, wonder, I'm wondering, were you able to connect on a deeper level to your child? Like what was, 
in your belly. Yeah. <laughs> like what was what was that? Yeah, yeah. What was that like? <laughs> it sounds so cliched, but I felt like everything was one. And when you can peel away the the falsities of modern living where you know human worth is measured through productivity or you know visible tangible signs of success or you know just like how much muscle you have which is certainly i would say all humans do this like we that's part of the human experience but you know being in daily meditation and and in being pregnant with with like a, a like a human being this amazing person uh yeah it it really it just brought so much perspective to just the greater connection to the universe and how when divine timing says yes everything could point to no on the external for instance the history of my miscarriages or the bleeding those all said no but i knew that everything would be okay and even during the birthing process, I wound up actually journeying again. I wound up going inside my body and I could see each chakra center. And I went to that second chakra center, that creative center. And I, I met him. His name is Kyo, by the way. So I met Kyo and I said, you know what? It's time to come out. I'm ready to, to open up. And, um, and I, I did that during... A bit of a there was a moment of stuckness in the birthing um and i just felt like this was the way i just intuitively knew like i had to go in and tell him it was okay to to leave that world and enter into this bigger other reality and and within that i took two deep breaths and one more push and he came out and He's always been very connected to that world. Um, talk about, always ask me questions about the goddess and what's an offering. And there's little, uh, there's little elves and fairies mm. close by. And, um, and he senses an animal and like, it's just really, really sweet. Oh, that is so beautiful. And, you know, to that point too, like when you're transitioning to this becoming a shaman and stepping into this world of spirituality and, everything like that. What was like, what were your friends point of view? Like, what was your family thinking? Because we know it's a shift and a lot of women in our community are kind of stepping into more of a spiritual place of a more heart centered place where they're shedding kind of old paradigms within themselves. So I'd love to talk about what that transition was like for you and what was helpful for you um, when stepping into the person that you are now. What I would say that you know, part of the transition is it's also personal healing. It's it's me needing to accept and embrace that part of myself. And because I had attended um, evangelical, you know, mainstream evangelical Christian church, I even just even though I had left church, I discovered that there were some old, outdated beliefs that. I was placing on myself and using it as like a judging mechanism. And so I would say the healing or the ability to tell others start with the ability for me to, to be okay with that within myself and to really learn to love it and to, to embrace it. And then it slowly trickles outwards. Um, certainly there's people in my circle that may not understand what I do and, and that's okay. 
And those who do, they may have taken some time to also step into that. I, I wonder, like, and I don't know what it's like. I've spoken, for instance, with Natalie Miles, um, a friend, a dear friend. Um, but, you know, sometimes when you're in this space of, you know, you're like a quote unquote, professional intuitive, people tend to think that you're reading them all the time. Like even when you're, you know, at the coffee shop or you're picking up groceries, but like, I don't, I can't, first of all, I, I don't have that capacity. I literally have to create the ritual, the ceremony around it, go into the journey where I'm lying down with drums and in that trance. So I can't do it anyway, but even so that's, the spirits actually reveal things that uh, that need to be um, brought to the surface. It, they're not just indiscriminately showing things to people all the time. And also, of course, there's the ethic piece of consent and never reading. But for me, you know, going back to what what you asked, Krista, it it's been several years, um, slowly transforming and slowly. Uh, because I'm tr- continuing to evolve and transform, then of course the reality around me and my social network and the conversations that I have with the people in my life, family or friends or even strangers, that continues to shift. Um, but I would say it, at the core, it has to be, you have to believe in the gifts that you um, have been given and you have to trust those gifts and embrace those gifts and 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 the people will come to you, the, the people who, who are ready to to also be in that same type of conversation. You mentioned that you studied core shamanism. Are there different types of shamanism and what are they and yeah, how do they differ? So, yeah, totally. Um, it's a good question. So the word shaman itself is actually rooted in Siberian and it means one who sees in the dark. Mm. And, you know, within Siberian shamanism, of course, you can sort of look at um, its impact or its relation um, with uh, Northern Chinese um, shamanism or even Mongolian shamanism. And, um, but, but really, if you were to look at it globally, um, shamanic relationship between a human and plant or human and animals or human and elements, like there, there are people who, let's say, speak with rocks, um, that has mm. always existed. And so it's, so shamanism is not something that is quote unquote owned by one particular regional people or people group. Um, it's something that humans, um, have always, uh, experienced and it may, uh, it may not be called shamanism. So for instance, the Druids, like that's deeply shamanic and even, you know, if you were to look at how shamanic practices in China has shaped uh, Taoism and Confucianism and eventually Buddhism and what is called traditional Chinese medicine, you can there's very clear links and, and ties back to that. And it's because humans have always looked to the earth for support and looked to the skies for support, be it if it's making projections on what the year, the harvest year is going to look like and, and regulating within that. Or if it's, you know, one grouping wanting to resolve conflict with another grouping and they're seeking direction, you know, how do we approach this so that we can end with positive resolution? Like all these things humans have always uh, related to 
earth-based spirits uh, to to figure out um, because I, I think humans have always recognized that we we have potential, but we our our potential is really only realized when we're in collaboration with the other energies mm-hmm. around us. For studying shamanism, like is there something that you have to do to in order to be called a shaman or what is I guess that initiation process like or getting into that world? Right. So I don't call myself a shaman. I call myself a mm-hmm. shamanic practitioner. So I think that's um, in terms of uh, terminology that that is important. Uh, there are some people groups that uh, have more rigorous uh, process in 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 inviting an individual to step into the shamanic path. And in those particular lineages, there may be a more designated title of shaman or so. But the, my belief is that every single human has the capacity to relate to earth-based energies. We are also of the earth. And I actually just wrote uh, a, a post on my IG account not too long ago where like we can say that, like for instance, I can say I'm me, but you know, I had I had yogurt this morning, so that I, which means that and that yogurt was integrated into my body, which means I'm also a bit of cow. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of this yeah. milk, right? <laughs> and last night I had Brussels sprouts with some cauliflower, and like I can go into these details which means that those plants also broke down and gave me the nutrients to, to nourish my body. And my ability to breathe and to regulate is also because I am hydrated. And all these additional pieces, so who am I? I, I am Mimi, but I'm also water and oxygen and Brussels sprouts <laughs> and some milk and all these, all these energies are part of me. And I would say that is true for every human being. I mean, we are interconnected. And so this idea of only certain people have have the right to practice, I, I, I don't believe that is true. I think part of the reason why there's so much disconnect and suffering in this world is because we have completely forgotten that we are of the earth and that we are connected to each other. And that when I hurt you, I'm hurting me ultimately because I need you. We need each and every person. I mean, even for instance, this idea of our businesses, like our businesses wouldn't exist if we didn't have people who supported the work and who are engaged in this community and who are actively also doing their own, their, their own personal growth. Um, and I would say that it's for every business. Uh, you mentioned before one having imaginary friends wear plants and 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 eating plants yeah. <laughs> and just having this you know deeper connection to plants and I know that plant medicine is a part of some sh- shamanic traditions and we are actually going on a journey in March so I'd love to just kind of take a moment to talk about plant medicine your experience and yeah I just you know, we're, we're kind of like being gifted conversations with people like you before we go on our journey. So I feel really lucky and perhaps it's a selfish ask, but I know a lot of people in our community are also very curious. Okay. Um, I think it's such an amazing question. So my practice, 
I'll talk about my personal life and I'll talk about my, you know, the, the practice under ceremony, the brand. So for ceremony, I work with, um, non-psychoactive plants. Um, all plants have a spirit and all plants are healing. All plants mm-hmm. are teachers. So it, one does not need to, uh, engage with or consume a psychoactive plant or a, you know, entheogen to experience healing or to learn. Um, I think that's really important because not everyone uh, necessarily benefits from it. And I should also mention that not every, you know, for instance, like Aya is really big, um, but not everyone really should learn from uh, one set of uh, medicine or, or practices within those the, within plants and the whole canon of plants. Some very simple plant medicines that I have used or continue to use that have been so great is uh, working with something called rose or rhododendron. Um, I'm referring to them in the form of essential oils, but it doesn't have to be in the form of essential oils. It can be in the form of, let's say, um, uh, tea or it could even be, you, you could even eat the, the petals, for instance, um, of rose. Um, or it could be a, like a, a vibrational, like an essence, a flower essence. Um, but with, with rose, and the reason why I say rose or rhododendron is because they're very similar in terms of the type of healing they offer. But the price point is, is quite different. Rose is, I would say, is prohibitively pricey. And rhododendron is much more accessible. But even if you placed less than a drop, like if you were just to open that essential, a bottle of essential oil and remove that cap and just, you know, just trace your finger on the top. So you're not even actually getting a full drop and you're placing it on your sternum and you repeat one single mantra. Um, My favorite mantra that I work with my clients on, I'll just say it right now. And maybe you can put it in the show notes because it's just so powerful. It is in my sacred human heart. I feel and receive my love. And if you were just to place that little bit of oil on your sternum daily for a month and repeat that mantra, oh, shifts mm-hmm. are going to happen. Um, yeah, and then of course, you know, there's there are there are plants that you know have a bit of a reputation, right? Like mushrooms, for instance. Oh, deeply healing, deeply euphoric, and transformative, um, but. Just, I think from a mainstream business practice, um, insurance gets kind of sketched. Yeah. So I just sort of leave that out. But of course, when people ask me uh, you know, about my personal experiences, I'm, I'm happy to share that, um, that uh, mushrooms have been immensely transformative and empowering and just provides a perspective that you just do not get typically, even through meditation, um, and it's not to say, and that's really from my experience, it's not to say that's not true for others. And every plant really does have a personality. I, I love explaining sort of the personalities of the plants once you get to know them, because you just wind up relating to them so differently. For instance, I'm going to go back to Rose. Rose is, I would say, you know, she's definitely female. Um, she's in her 50s mm-hmm. and up, but full mm-hmm. of grace and full of confidence and compassion. And 
she's lived her life. So she doesn't have this massive FOMO piece. Um, she's just able to just be. Whereas, for instance, Jasmine, Jasmine is, I would say, in her 30s, young, like, you know, like early 30s. She's sensual. She's come into her voice, but yet she still wants to experience and invite a lot of new people. And this is why if you work with Jasmine, you will wind up encompassing all those qualities. And it's a great oil to use if you want to invite new people in your life, new people that are at the same vibration. And then there's something like um, white uh, tiger lily, which is incredibly like sweet and and. There's a spunk to her and she's, she's, she's smoking hot, like so gorgeous, <laughs> but she's, she's young. Like she's probably like fairly legal <laughs> and like, like she's, she's vibrant and very trusting. And so for instance, if you, as an individual wants, wants to learn how to trust and wants to lo- learn how to play again, it's a great oil. And so when you get to know the personalities of the plants, you wind up knowing which plants to work with for whatever needs that you may have. Um, and that's, once again, it's just topically. I'm not talking about ingestion of any form. And, and, and that's really, I would recommend how to like, just start there and, and really listen to what they have to share. Not every plant that one works with has to be like a total kick in the pants or like slap across the face. I mean, sometimes one needs that, but not all plants... And not all humans in that their particular point or place that, you know, within their story needs that. Sometimes they need something very subtle and gentle because uh, that would be much more effective than something very bold and, and almost, almost too, too transitional, too mm-hmm. dynamic. Yeah. We completely agree. And I think that's really good uh, that you mentioned about the essences of the plants. We've been hearing a lot about that lately, um, Mm -hmm. like flower essences, drops and things like that. So um, I love that. I have just one more question before we talk about our um, journeys with you. I want to know about the ritual that you create around yourself to allow yourself to go to these worlds, to have these journeys. What does it look like at your house? What are you wearing? What are you eating, drinking? What is happening that creates such a great space for you? When you say that, do you mean when I, right before I go mm-hmm. on a journey or, or just no, sort of yeah, generic Right before you go rituals. on a journey. Okay. So I, I typically choose specific days where from a planetary alignment will support that work. And this is why, you know, for some time people have been saying, Oh, can you have like an online booking mechanism? Like, no, I prefer you email me because then I can be really thoughtful about choosing a few dates and, you know, typically provide the client with about, you know, three or four or five options um, because then I know those are the dates I can access the spirits uh, in relationship to their question. And then with that, with, when I know it's the, this is the right timing, then of course, I'll, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll cleanse the home. And it could, it could look different from day to day, but always I will cleanse with, uh, with, with either white sage or frankincense, um, sometimes cedar, sometimes a little bit of everything. Those are the most uh, cleansing plants. They really do set very firm boundaries on, you know, what can come in and what, what, uh, what can, yeah, what can and cannot come in. And then I do that for like essentially the entire home. Of course, I also smudge myself and I typically will have uh, really 
soothing, often solfeggio music playing in the background, I'd say do this. And for listeners who are not aware of solfeggio tunes, they are vibrational sounds that uh, hold a very specific frequency and you can choose. Like if you were to go into, let's say, iTunes, you'll, you'll see there's different frequencies that relate to different chakras or different energies, just different themes. And, and uh, yeah, so I'll select uh, the tunes um, based on what I feel is most appropriate. I will, of course, just from a practical perspective, I'll reread the, uh, the question or the request from the client. So I'm very, very clear on what it is that they want. Um, there'll be incense. Um, there's always a candle. It's always need a candle when you journey. And then I will, with a rattle, invite the spirits in. Um, and I invite them from all six directions and, and explain to them what the purpose of them arriving is for. And, and then I'll have a few props. Like there's, I have some feathers and some stones that I work with. And I place them around me on my bed when I, when I journey. And um, I also have a recording just because when I journey for people, I can't drum. When, uh, you know, at my events, when I'm leading people in, on journeys, um, I'm drumming. But I can't drum and, and journey at the same time. So I do have a, a pre-recorded drumming with callback. And a callback is basically a shift in the drumming where I know to come back from that world. And then I go. So I go into the journey. I always travel with my spirit companions. They're, they're called psychopomps. Um, they, they travel with you. And they're there to provide guidance and protection. And, um, and just uh, sometimes they're, they're great mediators with the other spirits because spirits tend to you know, speak spirits with each other. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I'll go and I'll present the question and I'll, I'll take everything in. Sometimes if it's, you know, an extensive amount of information. So for instance, Lindsay, in your case, I actually came back early and I wrote everything down because I knew humanly I can only remember so much. And then I wrote everything down and actually went back. So I essentially did too many journeys for you because I just knew there was no way I could like remember it all. There's a lot of images in yours. And so, yeah, so I'll just go back and I just spend time with them until it feels like it's done. Um, and, and then I come back and when I come back, I write everything down. I, um, I wind up, I'm still in that trance. So I'm channeling a lot of the experiences and any additional insights that may sort of come not so much in terms of the plot line of the journey, but more in the interpretation. Um, that's when a lot of the insights will come to me and that's all done of course via email. And, um, when that is all done, I, I thank the spirits. And then I send them away. So I, I shake the rattle again and I send them away. And that's essentially is the entire ritual. Um, there are times when, let's say, I mean, this is life, when, let's say, I have been, you know, I've caught, you know, a cold or something and I just don't feel like it would be of service to the client. I'll actually email them and I'll apologize and I'll just say, can you reschedule to another day here at the, the dates? And this is why I'm asking. It's very rare. Um, it's, yeah, knock on wood, I, I'm yeah. healthy most of the time, but you know, with two very germy kids in the house, mm-hmm. you just never know. Um, and uh, yeah, and you know, some days I may not necessarily feel sick, but I may feel off. So I might do an additional cleansing ritual for myself um, involving, let's say, salt, a really like extensive salt bath, um, working with um, a shamanic egg cleanse. 
um, to clean my aura um, before I even go into the actual form formal uh, ritual of working with uh, with clients. Um, yeah, just because it's it's just, it's so unfair to bring my own energy into this. It, it has to be very neutral and so that I can mm-hmm. pick up theirs. Wow. I'd love to hear about, I don't know, Lynn, with your the imagery. You oh, sure. <laughs> I can do either, but all the imagery and you having to come back during Lindsay's was I know. like one thank you. Peaked my for doing Yeah, of course. Um, of course. Yeah, I guess we can we can jump right in. I just I feel so lucky. It's 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 one of those things where I didn't really know what to expect mm-hmm. and your attention and your just so thoughtful and even just the lead up to the general narrative of your journey was was really helpful in in um, opening myself up to what you were going to narrate so thank you for that Mm -hmm. but when you journeyed into the lower world you were in a deep forest and i'm reading and paraphrasing and you were met by a very large mother cobra and a snow leopard wow so and and you said the copra was very dark looking and what appeared to be black at first, but during your time with her, it was actually more like a very deep emerald green, which is interesting and something with the heart chakra being green. I surround myself with a lot of green. <laughs> My heart tends mm-hmm. to like flutter open and closed. So that was really interesting, but I love just more generally to, for you to speak to, is this uh, spirit animals? Are these guides? And yeah, I guess we'll start there and go a little bit deeper. Yeah. So, so yes, they, they are both spirit animals and guides. Um, I would say guides is like a generic term that one can use to, uh, it, you know, encompasses not only spirit animals and um, plant spirits, um, but possibly even angels um, or even an ancestor, right? Like, I mean, these are all technically guides. And spirit animals, some people have certain animals for life. Um, Generally, everyone has at least one animal for life. But then there'll be specific animals that will come and assist you and will be more prominent in your life and around you for a very specific purpose or a very specific chapter or phase in your life. And when that lesson or whatever that has been fulfilled, um, it will recede. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You. um, I guess I also want to just lay the groundwork. My question was around my creativity and how, um, I guess more clarity on my relationship with my creativity and what that's going to look like in the future and how I can just be more connected to it and more, um, in flow all the time. And, um, I guess you, you described the Cobra was more serious out of the two totems and evoked uh, so much strength, regal beauty, and possess a steel trap mind. And it just kind of made me think of like the the posturing or like the sense of self that I long to be kind of a, not regal. I don't know mm. if I've ever thought of myself as regal, <laughs> but it's more just like this, this quiet confidence that like I'm kind of looking for within my creativity, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, I would say regal for sure. Regal AF. Why yeah, not? You're right. No, you're right. Why not? Yeah. Um, but, th- but then the the, um, the cobra and then the snow leopard were answering. They do answer the question. So if people are journeying or you are journeying for a, a client, they are the ones answering or speaking to the question. 
Mm. Yeah. So um, I don't come up with the answers ever. And I, I think this is what's so beautiful about it. And this is why it's so exciting when, um, when I'm able to lead others in developing uh, their, their inner ear to listen and to relate and to just, just learn the shamanic path is we all have an ability to hear this. Um, and yeah, so, so the answers are never mind. So when I journey, it's, I meet with, they're typically animals, but sometimes they're, they're plants too, or even exclusively plants. And on occasion, they may be additional uh, entities. And they're the ones that are providing the insights. They're the ones that are providing the messages. And sometimes they'll, they'll as they're speaking, there'll be an image that appears next to them or around them. Um, for instance, Lindsay, it was tr- like it was definitely the case for for yours and Krista mm-hmm. a little less so. Um, but even so, like, I mean, when I think about some of the nature elements that appeared in yours, um, they were really symbolic. So basically, whatever appears in a journey is part of the message, including the landscape. So you know, be it its forest, um, which is like a place where the divine feminine and the inner subconscious self is, right? So, um, which totally relates to to creativity. Uh, yeah. So. Anything that shows up in the journey is something that I need to mentally note. And so that when I come back and I'm typing it all out, I can also uh, bring the interpretation, uh, the interpretive pieces Mm. in. I mean, there's so much here, so I'm I'm not going to go into all of it. But what what really stuck with me, one was um, when you said the creativity is the essence of who you are. There is conflict within you because you have listened to voices that are confusing you. Do not listen to the insecurity, the inadequacy, the paranoia, the doubt, the jealousy, the greed. Your soul is being tested. Trust your light. When in doubt, choose kindness. But that was just a really, for me, one, so true. And just, you know, being clear about what voice I'm listening to. You know what I mean? Like, cause mm-hmm. that is true. I'm listening to a ton of different voices all the time and it's always changing. So, um, that was very grounding. Um, mm-hmm. and then I guess lastly too, you, you mentioned at the end of it, then, um, images appeared, like you said, more nature, mm-hmm. the sun appeared, um, and then there were birds chirping and flocking and I'm like super connected to birds. So that was interesting. So when these images appear, do they always mean the same thing for everyone? Like, so if the sun appears, does it mean, Mm. you know, a handful of things for everyone or is it, will the animals or the sun tell you exactly what it means? I would say on a baseline, it, there will be similarities. Um, with like, you know, if a sun appears, well, yes and no. Okay. So A, if it's just the sun, then most likely it's going to mean a few different things, but I have to consider that in relationship to everything Mm -hmm. else in the journey where the meaning could change. And also, I mean, we all know that the sun can mean, you know, like a dozen things and it will be different for every individual, but we also know what the sun definitely does not mean, right? So, so there's, there's at least we have a starting point. And then the next step, of course, is the interpretation like, okay, I know this, this was in relationship to 
these other images mm-hmm. or this animal and this animal happened to say this. Then I have to look at the whole picture and be like, okay, well, what does the overall meaning actually, like, how is this going to be relevant for Lindsay? Like, how is this actually in relationship right. to a question? Right. Um, and sometimes their answer may even seem a, a slightly unrelated, but it's because they're looking at it perhaps from a, like a macro perspective mm. or an a linear perspective. Um, and, and it does wind up actually relating. Yeah. You said it was lop, the sun was lopsided and that had a specific meaning. So that was interesting. I'm sure like there's details about yeah. each one of the symbols that might vary. So that makes, that makes perfect sense, but it was beautiful. And I've actually read it a handful of times. And each time I read it, there's something that I understand more clearly. Mm, but yeah, totally. To- yeah. So mine was interesting because um, a lot of the elements that came up during it are like elements that are very me, which is water. Mm. So during mine, it said you traveled to the lower world very, very quickly. And you said you almost went vertically down. You said, my sense is that there's much depth to you. Depth to you. And if you didn't know this already, it's a reminder that your power resides deep within your inner core. And that really rings true to me. I always feel like I'm, I'm very deep, almost to a fault. And then um, Pelican and Monkey were there. Pelican mm-hmm. didn't speak, but Monkey was kind of crazy. <laughs> and then there was the boat. So there was a boat that was sitting very stable within the water, within very choppy waters. And I've had um, another reading with someone and she met my spirit guide, a few of my spirit guides, and they were within a choppy waters. And then they're either under the waters or deep mm. within the waters, or there's always a water mm. element. And this was interesting because it mm-hmm. had the water and then thunder. So coming from like the Chinese perspective or like that kind of world, the thunder and water would represent me. And so it says, I realized the sky above and water below is exactly where who you are as nature elements, which I thought was really interesting. And then the monkey as a part of me, which is feisty, playful, and almost unpredictable with a sharp intelligence. So those things definitely resonated with me as like being parts of my soul that were very like, I can tell they're a parent. So it's nice to have an ability to like speak to Pelican or like connect with monkey, you know, more so. Mm-hmm. And then monkey spoke and he said um, that a lot of the things is the reality. Monkey says, Krista, my child, the reality is that the universe birthed you and you are no mistake. Your astrology is no mistake. Don't you know that your signs are your gifts, which is true. It's like my Mm. depth of emotions root in every day, find what is consistent and create structure and rituals out of them. These will stabilize you. And that has been something that I'm learning more. So in my life is the importance of rituals. You know, we've been home for, two months from travel. And it's been really, really nice to like tap into the rituals. And then it was really cool too. So monkey kind of speaks to um, specific things actually that I need to think about in my life, thinking about being persistent, being disciplined. Um, My success involves being near water and attending to the water within me. Um, So when I was in Chicago, I was lived on the lake. When I was in New York, I lived right on the water here. I live right on the water. So that's always been very important to, you know, my Mm -hmm. health mentally. And just like from a spiritual level to be by water is very, very important to me. And then monkey and pelican left. And then a beautiful queenly earthly woman emerged. She is a medicine woman, a spirit teacher. She has dark hair and warmth, but also a pull up your socks kind of personality. She speaks directly, truthfully, and she has no tolerance for bullshit excuses of any sort. And this was interesting too, because, you know, we are going to do the medicine soon. So her being a medicine woman is very interesting. 
My question was around ancestral mm-hmm. healing. So I wondered if there was like any ancestral healing that I needed to tend to or pay attention to in my lineage. And she said, ancestral healing is not so much what Krista needs. What will serve Krista's soul mission is for her to discover both her feminine and masculine within herself and to integrate the two. Because thunder over water are her two elements of her I Ching. Is that what it is? It's I Ching or I Ching Ching. tradition. It is important that she learns to discern foreign disciplines and listen deeply. Cultivating stillness is imperative so that she is not swallowed by the force within her. Mm. Water and thunder are incredibly powerful and she is still young, which is very, very true. And I thought that was really beautiful. It's almost, it's kind of nice to hear that it would, it, it like, I kind of like when these things put me in my place a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest and mm-hmm. being like, Oh, you know, what is my ancestral healing? Like what has happened to, you know, my mom and dad and my parents and grandparents. It's really like nice to hear the focus is actually on you and the work is, is yours to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that you need to think about as putting the onus back on other people and what other things have happened, but back on myself to integrate the masculine and feminine. And that has definitely been something I've been thinking about more so and hopefully working on in 2019. And then we spent time together, me and the woman, and then we were in a garden. Monkey was there. And it was interesting too, because the medicine woman begins trimming and watering and she's placing the flowers in the garden where they can grow and thrive. She observes lunar cycles. She sings, reads tarot cards, works shamanically, And then the garden really started to grow. So I thought this was really interesting too, that it was like in a beautiful garden with the animals. And then basically the pelican left and then the hummingbird came in and the hummingbird was basically the next version of me. And the hummingbird was, Mm -hmm. is associated with nectar of life and all things joyous. It means you've attended to your internal garden via channeling your power. So hopefully the pelican, this will happen maybe with the medicine or something like that. And then the pelican is able to leave and the hummingbird came. So hummingbird has knowledges of healing flowers and they have the ability to see and incorporate plant medicines into your life as well as win the hearts and joy hearts as well as win hearts with joy and love. So it just talked about that as like a transition and transformation for me, which is very true. You know, it's something as I work on integrating masculine and feminine, as I work on focusing on harnessing my powers through stillness, through ritual, that this beautiful transition could happen from having Pelican, who's like very focused on others, very quiet to Hummingbird, which is focused on really joy. So it was really beautiful. And, you know, I definitely felt like there was a lot of parts that I thought about resonated with and thought were like very beautiful. And I think too, like, I mean, even just listening to, to that journey, like, it's really beautiful to be reminded of these little vignettes of like you're in the garden and and the medicine woman's tending to the garden and the monkey's there and you're having fun. And then the hummingbird comes in. There was a scene that you described in mine. I then saw that when you do step out of your fear that a flock of birds started chirping and flying around Cobra and Snow Leopard, there was a gaiety about their movement and songs and they brought over grapes, olive branches, and were celebratory. It's a reminder to celebrate your achievements with friends and team members, a hallmark, a hallmark of leadership is to help others remind, to help others remember the good times. But it it really helps me. I'm very visual. So to have these in times when I want to celebrate and I want to bring people into the celebration, it is that visual of, 
oh, my, my spirit guides, you know, the animals and, and everyone in these scenes are also there. Like, it's just like another layer of, of enjoyment Mm -hmm. that like I could be visualizing and just experiencing Mm -hmm. in my heart. I don't need to tell anyone, but it's just, it's so beautiful. Totally. Yeah. I love that too. Cause Mm -hmm. oftentimes like when I'm dreaming, I'll wake up in the middle of the night from a dream and my dreams are, are transforming now to become more interesting and more applicable to where I am now in my life rather than like very dark dreams I had for a long time. And so I always think like when I wake up, I'm like, what am I going to think about when I go back into my dream? Cause I kind of want to work through things in my dreams. I want to incorporate that more into my subconscious. So having this beautiful scene, these beautiful animals, this beautiful goddess, this garden, you know, the water, having that as my imagery to kind of slip myself back into sleep and maybe more healing is had Mm. or more conversations are had or more integration with my spirit into this scene could happen. So I thought that was like really beautiful too, because I I struggle finding beautiful things to think about. You know, I I literally love my life. I live such a beautiful life, but something that's otherworldly beautiful, you know, kind of going outside of like, oh, I got a new Tesla or, you know what I mean? Like the, the very obvious, beautiful of like, wow, this Irwan meal, you know, that kind of thing was like very nice for me too. And what's beautiful too, guys, is that there's a reading ritual. So she gives you rituals that you can do after, um, your session. So the, there is the question that you give to her. You go through, like she goes through the journey. She makes it very actionable, very bulleted. Like everything was very, very clear. There's beautiful scenes that are described, but I felt like the action points were were very to the point, which was very, very beautiful. And then there's suggestions of things to do, like for rituals, medicine and other suggestions, which I thought were really nice. And I thought the one that was really cool that I could definitely do. And I've been really getting into more, Chinese medicine. It talked about having incorporating geranium, donkey. Is that how you say it? Donque. Donque. Bergamot, yarrow, and yeah. other types of um, tinctures and plants that I could just incorporate in my in my everyday that will help me to integrate the masculine and feminine within me. So it's nice to also have in addition to the visuals and the the connection with spirit, these next steps to incorporating these rituals into my life and really working on the things that came up. So happy to hear that you enjoyed it. I, I'm excited to just kind of keep revisiting. And also you did mention, you know, looking out for how the messages, if they don't ring true or resonate now that they could in the future and also certain symbols, you know, seeing the cobra or maybe it is this deep emerald green, like whatever it is that you could be experiencing and seeing this um, in the future and, and let it be a really loving reminder. Loving reminder and like a, a confirmation that you are exactly where you need to be. Exactly. Yeah. Um, this was beautiful. And, you know, I've, I've never experienced something like this before and we've done a lot of, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it's, it's really mm-hmm. um, an honor and I'm excited to share this with our community because a lot of them are so open and curious. And so I know they will, they will really find some healing in this type of work. Yeah, I agree. And then oh. just as really quick. So is this, I guess, are you, it just came to me. Are you in another dimension when you're doing this? Are you on another energetic plane or are you like, where would you like in your mind, do you think that you're 
you're going or is it like your body's still here, but your energy is going to like the lower middle upper realms or, or where do you think that your energy is going from, from that perspective? It really depends on the journey, but for instance, for both of yours, I went to the lower world. Um, and no, my physical mm-hmm. body didn't go with me. Um, yeah, I would call it like essentially my, my essence went there and yeah, for other journeys, they may be to a completely different realm. Um, I've done, for instance, past life work for, uh, for clients where I, I actually do need to do some ancestral healing or, or, or just sorting things out from a previous life where I may travel to that particular place in time. There's, there's working within bodies. Uh, you know, I mentioned it even, um, when I was at birthing, it's like you can even travel to certain parts of your body and on an energetic perspective and see all sorts of, oh, just, just get so much information um, and insights on, on what, what can be done uh, about that particular, uh, I don't mm. know, concern. Yeah, but it's, it is real. Um, and I, I think it's important to make that distinction. Like on one hand, it is a metaphor and it's symbolic. And if you look at many indigenous cultures and like if, if there's any written recordings, um, because so much of it is, is, is passed down orally, uh, a lot of it almost seems poetic. Like, you know, the, the wind spoke or the, the rain danced, but it's also very literal. And the reason why I say this is because if we don't see that as real, there's actually a huge dishonoring of those spirits. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not making things up or making it sound pretty. It's, this is, this is real information from real spirits that uh, can hopefully apply to our real lives. Um, and, and that's why it's important uh, for, for instance, in, you know, in my readings to provide some really practical things, takeaways that uh, the client can, can proceed with. And not just be like, oh, great. Like I got a great email that was lovely to read, but that's it, right? Um, There has to be something more. And, you know, something as basic as, you know, yours, Krista, is creating a mechanism where there's structure and a sense of predictability um, within all the adventures that you experience on a daily basis but there's just something that you can call home something that you can come back to and be in that cocoon and engulfed by let's say the water Um, because it's so easy uh, for people to lose sight of it and it doesn't even need to be a long practice it just needs to be a committed practice and I think you know that's something that that's that's a practical takeaway right like not just just a like a reading um where it it sounds nice love it it's beautiful where can our lovely community connect with you well they can they can go on my website which is shopceremony.com and ceremony it's spelt with an ie at the end uh they can follow me on instagram which is the handle is at shopceremony and yeah, you can navigate through the events. Um, all the events are mainly in the Vancouver area. Uh, I am hosting a retreat on May 31st through to June mm. 3rd in a like a small community right outside of Vancouver. It's just one ferry, and we'll be we'll, we'll be learning how to journey. We'll be learning how to to work with our past lives through shamanic work, um, plant medicines, 
um, learning how to really understand the symbolism. So this idea of interpretation and not only through the shamanic journeys, but through the dream work, because and you'd re- we have referenced this, the symbols that appear in our dreams also contain so much meaning. And often they are oracles, like often they are divinations. And it's just learning how to understand that. Uh, so I'll be you know, taking different disciplines and in, in incorporating them so that people who attend can either, you know, be exposed to it for the first time and just learn from the first time, or even just deepen and learn how to accelerate and further empower. Yeah. And what other way to get a hold of me? Email me. Email <laughs> me. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of content on the website and, and I do make a point of, of posting regularly on Instagram. So there's, there's a fair amount of content just to read and to explore. And if they want to know more, then we're more than welcome Great. to the show. And what was your email? Sorry. I just want to make sure we get that. Yeah, it's info at shopceremony.com. Once again, that IE at the end instead of the Y. Thank you, Mimi. This was really a pleasure and I can't wait to read it over and over again. (laughs) I'm so thankful. (laughs) It was so nice talking to you. I'm so excited to share with our community. So thankful for my reading as is Lindsay. When next time we're in Vancouver, we would love to see you. And if you're ever in LA, please please do reach out. We are here. Amazing. Yes. Another yes, reason to visit yes, LA. Yes. And I can't wait to hear about your medicine in yes, what you said yes. March, right? We will let you know. We will let you know. If I meet the game. Yes. If I meet Monkey and Pelican. All right. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. You too. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much to Mimi for going on our journey. Yeah. For us, that was so special and and for sharing. And if you'd love to learn, learn more, go to shopceremony.com, ceremony, O-N-I-E.com. And then the quote before was from Young Pueblo, Y-U-N-G-P-U-E-B-L-O on Twitter. And you can buy his book. And then you can also listen to his episode with us. We did about a year ago. If you search wherever you listen to podcasts, Almost 30 and then Young Pueblo. Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening, your support means the world. And just the fact that you connect with each other is really the point of this whole thing. You know, this is not about us. So we encourage you to keep creating community where you are sharing vulnerably, supporting one another. It It's everything. So yep. we love you. We love you guys. We will see you on the next one. Thank you for being a part of Almost 30 Nation, our community. And thank you for your kindness, empathy, and support to Lindsay and I. We love you. Love you.